With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following is a presentation of the Match Talk Podcast Network. Hey, this is Mike Golick. You're listening to Jason Bryant on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. The third annual Grapple at the Garden is coming to Madison Square Garden on December 21st. On episode 129 of the Short Time Wrestling Podcast, we talk with Director of Sports Events for Madison Square Garden, Dylan Wanagale. We talk about the foundation and formation of the event, why college wrestling is important to Madison Square Garden, and everything going on inside the eight mats at MSG. You're listening to the Short Time Wrestling Podcast, part of the SPNT.TV Podcast Network. Short Time is sponsored by Flips Wrestling. Share your attitude and be heard at FlipsWrestling.com. I'm three-time national wrestling writer and broadcaster of the year, Jason Bryant. And I'll be your host as Short Time brings you the most pertinent topics in wrestling with news, reviews, previews, and interviews. Subscribe to the Short Time Wrestling Podcast on iTunes by going to matttalkonline.com slash getshorttime or subscribe to all the shows from the Matt Talk Podcast Network by going to matttalkonline.com slash iTunes. Now it's time because we know you've always got time for short time. So now you want to talk criteria. Sure thing. At the beginning of last season, the NCAA rules were changed regarding tie-breaking procedures at dual meets. Based on Missouri's 20-19 criteria victory over Ohio State on Sunday, people apparently just found out about criteria number four, or at least the people who took to social media on Sunday after the match. Criteria four is simply the first takedown. Not a total of first takedowns, but the first takedown in a duel. That seems somewhat arbitrary, right? But did you even care until two top ten teams were so even they went down to the final criteria, one that could not be tied? Well, we'll get more to that in a second. Earlier this year, Ryder beat Wisconsin on the very same criteria. It barely measured on the Twitter radar. In fact, the Wisconsin-Ryder duel was the first in Division I to be decided in this manner. I was incorrect on my Twitter notation about the last duel that was decided this way. I had incorrectly said Belmont Abbey was involved. Well, you'd have to go back to January of 2014 in a Division II duel between King and Anderson to find the only time a duel had been decided by Criteria 4 prior to Wisconsin and Ryder. It was two unranked teams in Division II. No one was clamoring for a change when this result was noted in short time or in a blog topic, but when it's Missouri and Ohio State, now people are taking notice. Let me be abundantly clear. I do not care for criteria four in determining a dual meet winner. 
That being said, the rule had been on the books for a full season, and coming into this year, no one even seemed to care about it because it did not impact the highest level of collegiate wrestling. That was until Missouri beat Ohio State 20-19. I'm still wondering where the belly aching was when the rule was put in. We talk about the stalling rules and the experimental rules, but this one seemed to miss everyone, despite it being disseminated in the exact same manner as every other rule change from the NCAA. So what's that mean? Nothing, really, other than we need to only pay attention to bad rules until they impact something we don't like or teams that we do like or it impacts something we don't want it to impact. It's like that rare rule in baseball where if a catcher picks up the ball with his mask and not his hand or a glove, that rule actually ended up costing the L.A. Dodgers a game a year or two ago. Uh, The rule's been on the books forever, but it rarely happens and impacted a game with the teams in a playoff race. All of a sudden, this is the worst rule ever. It's the worst thing to happen to baseball. In fact, I'm not going to say I don't care for Criteria 4. I don't like Criteria 4. I don't like it one bit. But what this outcome has showed was two things. It got people talking about a dual meet outcome being meaningful rather than the March only matters mantra. It also got people discussing something usually only given marginal discussion on message boards, and that's how criteria could or should be applied. Prior to the rule change, the tie-breaking criteria ran through several different iterations. One went as far as the first criteria was if a team was deducted a team point during the course of a duel. If you've been reading Wade Chalice's blog at wadechalice.com called How Wrestling Wins, you might notice that he points out a technical foul scenario similar to basketball where a coach's action can put a shooter on the line. So we get back to that, putting some emphasis on sportsmanship. I personally like that chapter. Corey Kalina, give a shout-out to him on Twitter, suggested that forfeits be worth seven points. This is a deterrent. I kind of like that idea. This gave me an idea to tweet back to Christian Piles of Flow Wrestling, who actually kind of started this discussion with a rather open-ended Twitter thought. Yes, the first takedown of a duel can be so disastrously outlandish, especially when that wrestler loses the match. But that came into a potential scenario last week when Ryder, again at the center of a criteria discussion, beat Lehigh on criteria three. If Lehigh heavyweight Doug Valaro had won his match by enough points, it would have gone back to Criteria 4. Guess what? Riders J.R. Wirt lost his 125-pound match against Scotty Parker, but Wirt scored the first takedown. I remember thinking that would be real odd to win a match on Criteria where the wrestler lost the match in question. Now, in Riders' win over Wisconsin, which was again decided by Criteria 4, Chuck Zeisloff's first takedown came in overtime over Ryland Lubeck. So it wasn't even a first-period score that determined the winning takedown. Uh, I guess in that scenario, a takedown that wins the match ultimately comes back and ends up winning the duel. Pretty interesting. Mason Beckman of Lehigh chimed in with a relevant thought, which, again, I thought uh, was pretty interesting and referenced it a moment ago, is what if that wrestler scores the first takedown gets tacked? That determines the duel? Good points all around, folks. My thought would be to keep the first criteria the same, most match victories. This, to me, makes sense. Second would be the team with the least amount of forfeits. Put a guy on the mat. You've got training partners. You know, you can bounce. you've can you seen teams bump their lineup around. Yeah, if it's a road trip, you bring a guy or two. Yeah, it costs you an extra, what, half a bed? Something like that. Anyway, we go to then we go to six-point victories, the falls, disqualifications, injury defaults. But from there, do we further complicate things? One thing about this four-criteria outcome is there were only four, and it was easier to explain. You couldn't tie on a last-second takedown unless there was a situation where and an entire dual meet could not have a takedown. What are the odds this could happen? Really? Well, as rare and statistically improbable as it could happen, 
Yeah. So then what? So I guess that shows criteria four truly isn't a tie-breaking criteria because it could, in its most basic sense, have no determining winner. So then what? There's nothing in the book. I mean, you could have a whole dual meet go down with no takedowns. Crazy. Would it happen? Probably not. But there's that one-tenth of a tenth of a tenth of a tenth of a percent uh, exponential uh, whatever those numerical values are called, like factorials or something. I I don't know. That being said, I think we can go back to the more common dual meet advancement criteria that was established by the Virginia Duels so long ago. Uh, I think if we go back to the sportsmanship angle, so if you lose a team point, that's the first criteria. So I guess it keeps the onus on control of that area, basically not acting a fool, uh, whether it be on sportsmanlike conduct in a match or by a coach or whatever. Then we move to the number of victories. Then fewest number of forfeits. To me, that makes sense. You've got a guy, hey, you know what? He's going to get decked. You're not forfeiting a weight. A match gets wrestled. Then we go to most falls, disqualifications, injury defaults. Then most technical falls. Then most major decisions. Uh, But then again, what if all those things are tied? You're eventually going to have to have something that determines with some finality. And I think that's where first takedown comes in. Again, I don't think it really... Uh, embodies the spirit of the sport in that respect. Other than, you know, hey, go out and get your, your point first. I want to avoid penalty points because this could essentially mean that a stalling point in a blowout win or loss could be the determining factor in a duel. But again, it's that way if you figure out current criteria three, most match points, that crazy lame stalling call could end up affecting the entire match. I wholeheartedly agree criteria needs to be changed but I would have thought this should have been brought up immediately when someone noted Criteria 4 was pretty much what it is now. It's arbitrary and random and really, what is it? So there's the other stance to take. Teach your wrestlers to score first. That garbage takedown in the first 30 seconds against a returning NCAA champion could just win your team the duel, even if you get jacked up for the rest of the seven minutes. It's got to change, but do you think the reaction about criteria happening a full year after the rule change is a bit about being late to the party? I mean, the rule was in effect. The coaches should know it. They should know it because it's in the book. Personally, I think duels, forfeits should not be an easy way out. That's not a shot at Brian Smith, who did everything he could to win that duel because he feels duel meets are important. Anyway, enough with the rant. There's some great discussion out there on Twitter about it, so jump on in. If you have a thought about this, leave an audio message on our sound offline at mattalkonline.com slash contact. Tell me what you think. I'll drop it into an upcoming episode of a short time. That being said, Criteria 4 stinks. But guess what? It's been on the books for a year and a half. We've got to live with it. Maybe some of us should have probably spoken up a little bit earlier when this when they realized how ridiculous this thing is. Now here's my interview with Dylan Wanagale about the upcoming Grapple at the Garden. The world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden, will again play host to the Grapple at the Garden on December 21st, 2014, right in the heart of Manhattan. Today on Showtime, our guest is the director of sports events for Madison Square Garden and the executive producer of Grapple at the Garden, Dylan Wanagale. And Dylan, third year of the event, college wrestling, you got high school wrestling, you got international wrestling, you got some MMA guys that are going to try to wrestle. I mean, this is this event's really taking off. Well, thanks for having me on the show, Jason. Yeah, we're very excited uh, to showcase wrestling at all levels. We we start off with the young kids, seven fifteen in the morning. We got third to eighth graders. Uh, but uh, as you touched on, the the meat and potatoes of the event largely is the twenty five different college programs coming in, fourteen of which are Division one programs. And then yes, today we 
we had formally announced the uh, the teams for the Team Joe Warren versus Team Henzo Gracie dual meet. Uh, of course, we have our main event uh, of Kyle Dake versus Arson Drufalakayan. Um, I'm sure you'll correct my pronunciation. And then uh, also the co-main event, we just added uh, American Travel Delagnev uh, heavyweight against uh, Haji Murat uh, Gatsalov uh, from Russia, uh, six-time world champion, I believe. Yeah, six total golds, five world, one Olympics. So you can say six. Yeah, that's fine. And, uh, you know, uh, Jolfa Khan is, you know, the I, I got a, I got a crash course in that this past year in Tashkent, Uzbekistan. I was in the same place because I knew some uh, some Armenian wrestlers here, and I always thought it was uh, Kayan, and he's like, Jofala Khan. So because of that, I know how to correct you properly and, uh, I guess, respectfully. So uh, anyway, last year I had the opportunity to work with you guys on this, and it was a tremendous event. And just, you know, obviously with the NCAA championships coming there in 2016, I think a lot of the wrestling community – was curious on how Madison Square Garden would hold a wrestling event since the last time they did was back in 2003 at the World Championships. And, and as we go back to the genesis of the event, where did the idea start to put a college wrestling event in Madison Square Garden prior to even maybe the bid for the NCAA Championships? Sure. No, we have to go back uh, probably at least five years or so um, when I just started to we as a company started to uh just take a look at the, the college wrestling space in general uh from there had a chance meeting with uh speaking of uh mma uh, i met up with frankie edgar uh here at the garden at a uh ufc press conference and he connected me to um, head coach scott goodale at rutgers who uh we just really hit it off and i went to go see uh, some of their matches uh i recall vividly uh, going to them uh against on campus there against uh lehigh at the time and both were top top 10 in the country and just being blown away at uh how they had about 5,000 people there on campus for probably a wednesday night match and a thursday night match and uh took about an hour just to park the car and and certainly once i got in the the, the rabid fan bases on both sides were, were really full of of uh, energy and excitement and um you know from there i think we here knew or we we have to uh get more involved in this space and from there I started talking to coach goodale about uh this is long before they were in the big 10 but his thought was well maybe we could face a big 10 team and 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 do a nice crowd there and so we were at the time talking about one mat or maybe two uh but really as, as the conversations evolved and i had attended the 2011 uh ncaa nationals in philadelphia and uh you know, I, we all here said, "Why not? Let's let's go for the full uh, eight mats and and um, and see how it looks and see how it goes and you know we can get more teams in and get more athletes in and 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 what a what a treat uh, for all the athletes to get a chance to compete here at the Garden and um, and sure enough, it, it's worked out great so far. So how 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 related is the grapple at the Garden with the NCAA championship bid through Madison Square Garden? Well, certainly uh, a. a, a Part of the idea of going to the full eight mats was to to showcase, uh, not particularly specifically, but just to, to showcase, hey, you know, we, we can do it. You know, it, it fits just perfectly, and, and we have a world-class facility here. We just uh, completed a... Uh, about a year ago, a $1 billion transformation of, of the facility, which, which you saw last year. And uh, I think we really just showed how, how serious we were as a company about uh, college wrestling in general. And, um, you know, thankfully the, the, the first event went off great. Second event went off great. Uh, so uh, I like to think that was a part of uh, the process for sure. Now, as you look at how this event has evolved, uh, now that, you, like you said, you've got the – 
divisions, various divisions, one, two, three, junior college. You've even got some club programs. Uh, Sean Lally, who who has previously coached at Stony Brook, now the new Division three head coach at Muhlenberg College, would, was talking my ear off all summer uh, at the NWCA convention about how cool it was for Stony Brook, even as, regardless of the athletic team, to compete in Madison Square Garden. It's few and far between. And if you, as you look at the teams that are coming, uh, I mean, how how eager were some of these teams knocking on the door to try to get into this thing? Well, yeah, I think if we uh, had to give an award for the most um, uh, unrelenting or relentless effort, I would give it to uh, Coach Joseph Pistone at the University of Southern Maine, who not only called and emailed, but had most of his active roster email me. Um, So give them a lot of credit. so love what he's doing there, and for sure, um, we, we, I had to take him, or we, we as a company just had to take him. So uh, look, a lot of the schools reached out, um, and it certainly answered the buzz from year one and year two. Um, and Sean's another one who's a very uh, energetic young man in, in promoting, you know, his program and, and, and wrestling in general. So uh, it's it's been great to see the, the response from all the college coaches, whether they were here or you know would have liked to have been here but couldn't fit it in their schedule. Which kind of finally lent lent into us getting uh, for the first time this year. We're super excited to have Lehigh here. Uh, we have Northern Iowa coming in for the first time, Edinburgh coming in for the first time, and uh, Duke and Davidson. So those five programs are Division One schools that we have not had here in the past. And then certainly excited for the mainstays like Cornell, Rutgers, Hofstra, Maryland schools have been here you know multiple times. Now, as we look at the the dynamic of the teams next year, obviously the NCAA championships are are hosted there in New York City. So the the underclassmen, the juniors and below at the Division One level, will have the opportunity to qualify and eventually compete in the arena. But if you're a kid from Wheeling Jesuit, which is a, a Division Two school in West Virginia in their second year program, or you're a Long Island kid wrestling at the brand new program at LIU Post, or you're a Midwestern kid in Moorhead, Minnesota, wrestling at Minnesota State Moorhead, the opportunity to compete in Madison Square Garden, this has got to probably uh, be near the top of their athletic, athletic uh, I guess, bucket list, so to speak. Yeah, no, that's a really exciting part of this event is uh, just generally speaking, we didn't, we didn't feel it would be fair to, to just limit the, the field to Division One schools. So um, expanding to Division Two, Division Three, junior college club, I think it just uh, tells a much better story that um, – you know, this is a celebration of the sport of wrestling. It's not, I mean, it's great to have, you know, probably some, some future national champions uh, or, uh, under our roof that day, no doubt about it. Um, but uh, the fact that you know, we're really seeing all the different levels starting out from, you know, little kids who are just starting to dream about their potential national championship someday who are youngsters in elementary school and middle school and we've got some really top high school programs that are involved in the, in the uh, Mayor's Cup versus the, the Metro Division, as we're calling it, as part of the, our high school tournament. And then you know, as we touched on all the different levels of college and then wrapping up the day with the senior level stuff, Warren, Team Warren versus Team Gracie, which we'll get into, and, and obviously the co-main and main event. Also got a special musical performance by a, a local high school wrestler, a New Jersey guy, and, and a guy wrestled at Rutgers. I mean, can you, what you can you tell us about Kosha Dills? 
Yeah, a former Rutgers wrestler. He has uh, just been announced to be part of the Vans Warped Tour. Uh, we do like to um, add some other entertainment elements uh, to the day. So we, we are excited to have uh, Kosha Dills here. Yeah, I don't think there are too many uh, former D1 uh, wrestlers, which are now in the uh, rap uh, field. But he's certainly got uh, quite a following for himself. And uh, some folks from the wrestling community uh, reached out to, to request that we uh, bring him in. So, uh, so that's what we're going to do. And I'm sure he'll put on a nice show uh, for the fans. Now, when it comes to Madison Square Garden, uh, when we were in the meeting last year, uh, you, you had talked about looking at the calendar, and there's only, what, two or three days throughout the entire 365 days of the year that the there's nothing going on at Madison Square Garden. Is that that's still accurate? Uh, pretty close to it, Jason. Yeah, you know, we are uh, probably the busiest building in the country, no doubt about it, between our arena and our theater right downstairs. So uh, this year we also had an event. Uh, we even had college basketball on Thanksgiving Day as part of the uh, – national invitation tournament so uh, it's an extremely busy building and we're very fortunate to uh to be able to to do some college wrestling here and uh, once again we have uh, a rangers game in the same evening so we'll we'll finish up college wrestling around 2:30, and three and a half hours later we'll have 18,000 ranger fans uh come storming into the place so they're all fired up for their game against carolina yeah, because the meeting bef- uh, the day before, uh, we were walking down, getting a little bit of tour, and there there was a Rangers game going on right then when we were touring it. And I've I've only been to a couple NHL games, so I made sure I was kind of stalling in the back of the line to make sure I could I could watch a little bit of it. But you know, the only again the only other previous time other than last year I've been in Madison Square Garden was the 2003 World Championships, and you talked about the renovations. And some people say renovations. I mean, it's you know build a new arena. Um, I don't know if they're, you're familiar with – oh, you obviously are, but those listening that are familiar with the layout of Manhattan, it's an island, and there's not a whole lot of room to build unless you're going to take out Central Park, and I don't think that's going to happen. So at a facility like Madison Square Garden, you guys consistently have to upgrade and keep up with the times. Yeah, there are the, the transformation, as I mentioned, was a, a billion-dollar uh, project top to bottom. We're, we're thrilled with how it turned out, and it's been uh, great for all of our events here. Um, you saw last year the new uh, Jumbotron, which is absolutely uh, state-of-the-art in the arena, which is great for uh, the live action and the replays and, and all that, um, those exciting elements that, that you see at uh, at live events. And thankfully, um, we were able to, to get that done um, over the course of three years without uh, displacing uh, our team. So it was uh, very uh, successful um, in terms of um, its execution. Now, as far as, you know, being a director of events, you've got a various different events and all sorts of different sports that come in there. What are some of the challenges that, that you discovered that wrestling brings that you, have, you and your staff have had to work through in hosting this event? Uh, challenges would be, <laughs> excuse me, um, Jason, I would say, uh, although wrestlers uh, by definition are, are, are low-maintenance types and, uh, and don't really complain about anything, certainly we've noticed that uh, – the locker rooms and uh, and showers when you're bringing in 25 teams uh, is going to be a, a real challenge for us this year. It's the most we've had um, from the, the three years, and uh, we are bringing in actually some additional portable showers on top of the um, uh, portable shower trailer on top of the the locker rooms we already have. You know, we're accustomed to having numerous teams in the building, but but not quite as many as we have uh, for wrestling this year. So uh, we'll pull it off, but that, that's certainly a bit of a challenge. Now, as far as your background goes, how much of a, of a knowledge of wrestling did you have before uh, announcing that you guys were going to do the Grapple at the Garden three years ago? Admittedly, uh, not a great deal. You know, certainly knew uh, knew of the sport, but uh, did not know it um, 
like many people I've gotten to know over the past uh, five years or so, but uh, it's certainly a source of pride that I've uh, been able to learn a lot and, and really get to know all the um, great executives there are in um, in the sport. And, and more than anything, I, I think I've discovered that uh, how many leaders in business, people who are CEOs and, and the like that uh, attribute all their business success to their time spent on a wrestling mat and all the lessons they learned in the sport in terms of um, how difficult it is. I mean, pretty much everyone has heard the, the Dan Gable quote about, uh, you know, once you've wrestled, everything else in life is easy. And apparently that's the truth because I, I've met so many people that are A, very successful in business and B, just genuinely good people and it's amazing how they all tie it back to their time spent in wrestling so uh, I couldn't appreciate the sport more and couldn't be more impressed by the athletes who clearly work harder than really anyone in any sport it, it, it's amazing what they put themselves through and what they're able to accomplish and uh, it's just great that we uh, are able to give them this platform to uh, showcase their skills. Now, with the way the this situation in the city is set up, obviously it, a lot of people don't even have a car when they live in in the New York area, or even especially on Manhattan, where it probably costs you what half of your salary, if not more, to park the thing. And then we're talking about the whole car insurance; that's another t- issue entirely. But one thing I know that uh, living out here in the Midwest, a lot of, a lot of the fans around here are going to be somewhat unsure about getting around. I mean, I guess our our population of wrestling people is used to driving and then staying as close to the venue as possible, and then. So when they're they're used to walking to walking and, and staying close, and when they look at that area of Manhattan, that's 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 kind of a pricey neighborhood in terms of hotel rooms. But you know, once you, once you get off of you know a couple blocks away, east or west, you can still find affordable uh, lodging. And if those that you know, like Rutgers, I, I believe they're going to what they're going to take the the path in and, and get off right underneath the uh, underneath the stadium. Uh, yeah, I haven't spoken to Coach Goodale about his plans for this year, but that is certainly a distinct possibility for them, uh, or my, more likely a uh, New Jersey Transit train. But that is uh, the great thing about uh, our, our physical location directly above Penn Station, one of the largest transportation hubs in the world, where you do have New Jersey Transit, Long Island Railroad, uh, the subway lines, PATH train, um, all stopping here or one block from here. So it's very easy for the fans to get to the garden, regardless of weather. So uh, we've been lucky with weather the past couple of years, and hopefully it'll be the same come Sunday, December 21. But you know, people can always get here rather easily, um, regardless of, of where they're staying in the tri-state area. And I will say, just make sure they those of you coming in to, to get on the subway for the first time, I've been lost twice in the New York City subways. It's odd that I can navigate Moscow's subway system a little better, and I can't even read their language. But everything they said, hey, read the signs. You can't just assume you're getting off at one stop and you go in the other way. you got to read the signs. So that's a little word to the wise for those traveling into Manhattan for the first time, whether it be for the Grapple of the Garden coming up December 21st or the 2016 NCAA Championships. Uh, Dylan, what are some other things that, that this event are going to bring? Obviously, you, you spoke a little bit about the uh, – international matches with Getsalov and Delagnev, and then you've got Joe Warren and Gracie and then Dake and Jalfala Khan. And why add that element, the international style, and, again, the, this dual meet with a lot of wrestlers and MMA guys against each other? I think we're just really trying to, to grow the event as much as we can. Certainly we've noticed that uh, the college team, uh, they all have their, their strong followings and, and uh, their fans that will come. You know, regardless of of who is uh, strapping on the the Rutgers or Hofstra uniform or whatever it may be, they have their fans that are very loyal. Um, Kyle Dake is someone who we were thrilled to see here two years ago in the first year of the event when he was uh, on his way to the 
four national championships in four years at four different weight classes, and it's exciting to have him back here uh, as an athlete because he's so incredibly exciting. And, and for him to challenge himself with this Greco-Roman match against not just anybody but the, the reigning world champion is uh, is really uh, amazing that that uh, he would do that. But uh, it's very exciting uh, for the fans. Um, certainly, uh, Katsalov versus Delagnev, uh, another you know world champion uh, coming in, is very exciting. And then. You know, as you touched on earlier, the the MMA uh, fan base, which is obviously uh, exploding uh, across uh, our country and, and the world, uh, it's great to get a lot of those guys, which many many of which have a wrestling background, who wanted to uh, come in and, and be part of this event and and strap on a singlet again and and uh, showcase their skills in, in freestyle. So uh, just to run down that that list, uh, so so Warren versus Gracie, that dual meet has uh, eight total matches. Uh, Raleigh Peterkin versus Stephen Abbas, Joe Warren versus Scott Jorgensen, um, Sean Bunch versus Demacio Page, Jordan Oliver versus Frank Molinero, Gray Maynard versus Ozzy. You got to help me out here. The Global Golf. Um, my apologies, Ozzy. Uh, Brennan Ward versus Igor Gracie, Daryl Christian versus Gregor Gracie, and King Mo Lawal versus Hollis Gracie. Uh, those are the eight uh, matches. I believe 13 of the 16 athletes there um, have competed in professional MMA, uh, but uh, it'll be great to see them here in freestyle wrestling, and uh, another great bonus for the fans. Yeah, because they can't really mix it up in New York, but uh, at least in the MMA, but they can do it on a wrestling mat. Correct, yeah. Uh, professional MMA uh, still not legalized here, but um, we did recently have our first amateur mixed martial arts event in our theater, which went very well. Um, but for this event, yeah, just freestyle wrestling for those eight matches, freestyle for Gatsalov versus Stalagnev, and then Greco-Roman for, for, for the Dake match. And of course, got to mention that the, the the two highlight matches are part of now the Global Wrestling Championships. So there there's going to be some gold on the line there. Yes, there certainly will. Uh, Global Wrestling Championships has, has come on as a, as a partner of the event, and uh, did want to um, to, to thank uh, Wayne Boyd for his efforts uh, in that regard for those uh, those two uh, helping out with those two matches and. Uh, and also, really, I have so many people to thank that have been involved uh, in, in this event. Um, uh, Jim Ravenack was was critical in the uh, uh, Warren versus Gracie matches, as was uh, Mario Mercado. Um, Jim's son, Chad Ravenack, uh, Damian Logan uh, were all really uh, instrumental in the Warren versus Gracie uh, lineup and, and pulling that together. Um, Noel Thompson helped out a great deal with uh, bringing in uh, Gatsalov, um and then USA Wrestling um, and, and Nick Garone were heavily involved in the uh, Dake versus um, Jules Fulacan. There you go. Nailed it. Nailed it that time, of course. Then you then you nailed Nick Garone, who I actually recently just had on my uh, Old Dominion Monarch Matcast. Uh, he's an Old Dominion alum, was an All American in '91, and you know, it, it's kind of interesting. He's been around Madison Square Garden a lot as an agent. Now he's he's, he's fully back into the wrestling game, and, and Nick Nick knows a lot about New York wrestling. Oh, he sure does. You know, he's uh, a fixture around here. You know, on the high school level, and uh, has really been helping us out with this event um, in, in a variety of different ways. And he's as uh, a great partner of ours, and uh, certainly represents Kyle uh, greatly. And um, and we're excited to be working with him again, as well as everyone else I mentioned. And uh, before I forget, uh, certainly uh, Andy Barth on the Titan Mercury Wrestling Club uh, side as well. They're, they're a partner of ours. Uh, Muscle Farm um, came on board this year as our presenting partner. 
uh, through Noel Thompson and, and the great folks at Muscle Farms. So I have to give them a great deal of thanks. Uh, Suplay.com uh, has been a great partner of ours the first two years uh, as presenter, and, and they're on board again this year as well. So we're very fortunate that pretty much everyone in the wrestling community has embraced this event uh, as a great opportunity to, to showcase uh, this wonderful sport. Again, December 21st at Madison Square Garden. Tickets are 20 35 and 55 They're on sale at thegarden.com in all Ticketmaster locations and, of course, in the MSG box office. But there's also the opportunity to watch this on pay-per-view if you cannot make it to New York City. Dylan, why don't you explain a little bit on how the fans can watch that might not be able to make it to the world's most famous arena. Absolutely, Jason. So, yeah, certainly if you're within a 90-mile radius or so, we'd love to see you here in person. Uh, there's nothing like being in, in Madison Square Garden Arena with the excitement and with eight mats of live action. Uh, you, you will not be bored for one second. I can tell you that. It's really information overload uh, for those of you who are uh, not accustomed to watching eight mats at once. It's it's uh, it's pretty tricky. But, uh, yeah, two opportunities here. So for the um, college uh, matches, uh, those are all going to be on uh, Flow Wrestling obviously a leader in, in the industry as far as streaming wrestling content. And then the senior level matches will in fact be on a televised uh, pay-per-view uh, check your local listings um, for, for your pay-per-view carriers. But uh, most pay-per-view carriers are in fact uh, on board for this event. And also there will be a stream for the senior level matches via uh, go fight live, which is gsl.tv. So televised pay-per-view of $14.95 for the senior level. You get all 10 matches uh, on the senior level stuff, and then the college matches uh, on Flow Wrestling. Talking with Dylan Wanagale, the director of sports events at Madison Square Garden and the executive producer of Grapple at the Garden again this event in its third year. And Dylan, in the time you got left, what's the pitch? What's the pitch to get people out to MSG? Basically, uh, it's, it's a celebration of the sport of wrestling is the best uh, way I can describe it. Uh, eight mats going at once for seven and a half hours of, of wrestling content. Uh, you can get in the door for $20. Uh, we have, you know, better seats and closer to the mats for uh, 35 and 55, but, uh, come on out and have a great time. Year three of, of what is a growing platform to celebrate all the athletes in the sport of wrestling. Again, no one works harder than wrestlers. They deserve uh, their day in the sun. Certainly they have that with NCAA nationals and many other great events out there. Um, but you know, it's Madison Square Garden. It's the world's most famous arena. It's uh, a celebration of the sport from third grade all the way up to uh, some of these MMA guys are in their mid-30s. So uh, it's every level of wrestling, a great time. If, if you've ever watched a wrestling match, and even if you haven't, come on out and learn about the event and uh, learn about the sport. It's, uh, it's an amazing sport that uh, deserves a, a great deal of attention. Once again, we've been talking with Dylan Wanagale, the director of sports events at Madison Square Garden on the Short Time Wrestling Podcast. Dylan, uh, worked with you last year. Looking forward to seeing you in a couple weeks out there in New York City. Same here, Jason. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Sunday, December 21, Madison Square Garden. Thanks again. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is brought to you by Flips Wrestling. Share your attitude and be heard at flipswrestling.com. Like what you hear on Short Time? Drop us a rating and a review on iTunes by going to matttalkonline.com slash getshorttime. The Short Time Wrestling Podcast is a presentation of the Matt Talk Podcast Network and is a member of the SPNT.TV Sports Podcast Network.
show is part of the Matt Talk Podcast Network. For more wrestling podcasts, head over to matttalkonline.com.